This, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. Like so many folks, I consume a lot of fiction. I'm usually in the middle of at least four different video games, plus a few TV shows and innumerable podcasts. Personally, one joy of fiction comes from escaping into a new world, getting an intimate look at someone else's imagination. In this week's story, teller Lindsay Stepney Wright shares how crafting not just fiction, but fan fiction, a genre dedicated to telling fictional stories based on real people or characters from pre-existing stories, has provided a calming and supportive escape in difficult times. Recorded live at Pub 626 in Chicago in June 2017, Second Story is proud to present Life, Death, and Fan Fiction. I walked inside of the detention room to see our detention teacher, Mrs. Mullen and Nick. Since when does a nerd get detention? I mean, he's not really a nerd nerd. It's just he's annoying and no one really likes him. He never talks to anyone. He just sits in the far back of the room and does whatever he likes to do for the longest time. Well, finally you've made it. Now I can go do your homework and stay quiet, Mrs. Mullen says. I roll my eyes, knowing her daily routine. When everyone who's in detention is in the room, she leaves to go make out with Principal Figgins in his office. <laughs> I sat down and she got up and walked away. I found myself getting out my books and working. I mean, there was no one to talk to, but eventually the agony got to me. Um, what are you even doing in here anyway? I asked him. Okay. That was an excerpt from The Artist, the first fan fiction I've ever written. Throughout any fandom I've been in, I've always leaned on fanfiction as a crutch. When I was 13 years old, two of my grandmothers died, my big sister left home, and I was transferring into a new school for my eighth grade year. Coincidentally, I had taken a liking to the greatest band of all time, the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> my personal favorite being Nick. Whenever I would see the look on my broken mother's face or I would walk into my sister's empty bedroom or whenever a bully at my new school tried to anchor me down, I could always depend on my fan fiction to bring me back up to the surface. Now, I unfortunately didn't get to go to any of their concerts and eventually as I got older, my love for them faded more and more with time. However, no matter what, whenever I feel myself missing my grandmothers, I can always lean back on the fan fiction for comfort sometimes without even realizing it. Five years later, my paternal grandmother, Nita, had been in and out of doctor's appointments due to odd feelings of weakness and ear ringing. They checked everything, but no matter what, they couldn't find anything. She was fine for a while until one day she started feeling faint again. On one March afternoon, as I was walking home to the train station on my way home from class, my sister called me. And just the tone of her voice was enough to tell me what was going to come. Um and Dad wanted to wait to tell you, but I think it would be better to tell you now. The doctors ran some tests, and they say Granny has stage 4 colon cancer. The words, oddly enough, came of no surprise to me. However, it hit my father so hard my entire home felt it. He grew angry towards everyone he believed wasn't there the way they should have been, even me. 
I remember him and I arguing in the dining room, tears streaming down my face, and my heart was beating in my throat. You see, your sister and I were taking your grandmother to the doctor, feeding her, cleaning her up, and you aren't doing anything to help, he yelled. The heart in my throat was beating louder and faster. Soon my entire face was hot and throbbing, or a tornado of thoughts twirling through me. Stop yelling at her like that, Al, my mother yelled back from behind me. She needs to help us. This is her grandmother. See, I'm not good with dying people. When my grandma Ruby died, I spent most of my time afterwards in my room listening to Jonas Brothers albums and writing Jonas Brothers fan fiction. And as Grandma Nita was getting more and more sick with every day, I was writing Tom Hill I was reading I was watching Tom Hiddleston movies and writing Tom Hiddleston fan fiction with every free moment I had. That night, I watched Tom's film Crimson Peak and worked on a fan fiction I was writing entitled Fine Line. I was never under the impression that my grandmother could be saved, and I was never under the impression that she needed to be saved. She lived a beautiful life, and I thought that she would be happier with God. But my father, caught in a whirlwind of emotions that he pretended not to have, was positive that if he saved her, it would make up for all that he didn't get a chance to do while she was alive. I remember sitting with him on the couch. My grandmother was slowly slipping away, screaming all night long in my sister Alex's old bedroom upstairs. I held my father's hand as she screamed, and I could see the cracks appear, racing his arms and his face and his neck. He had been breaking open, and finally, he broke open to me. I was supposed to buy her a home, he says. I promised her that. She has to get better. I said nothing, but I did hug him, and with our breathing, we apologized to one another silently. In March, a friend of mine on Tumblr sent me a link to a competition to meet my most recent celebrity crush, Tom Hiddleston. I wanted to enter the contest, but I was so scared. I was trying to help more with my grandmother, and I just knew that if I had entered and somehow even won, I would in some way be going against my father. My father wasn't having fun. My mother had just moved out of the house, and his mother was slipping away more and more every day. What kind of daughter would I be if I went? I grew hopeful, however, when I noticed that it was a writing contest. In 100 words or less, what's your favorite musical biopic and why? I hadn't seen many musical biopics other than Straight Outta Compton, and I was not going to write about that. <laughs> and at the time, my father was the only person in the house that I felt could help me, so I walked down to the kitchen hesitantly with my eyes steady on my feet and my heart once again pounding in my throat. Hey, Dad, so there's this contest to meet Tom Hiddleston at a movie screening downtown, and I have to write about my favorite musical biopic, but I don't have one, do you? He was cutting up an apple into teeny tiny pieces, a characteristic I inherited. When you eat the apple, it then feels like you've eaten more than you actually have. He paused from cutting and leaned against the island. Hmm, yeah, have you seen the Tina Turner one, he asked me lazily swaying the knife around the way he always does. I take the knife and set it down gently on the island before he cuts himself. <laughs> nope, I reply. He eats some apple and smiles. It's a good one. We sit and watch the movie together, and I found myself laughing and singing and falling in love with Angela Bassett all over again. And by the end of it all, my father was by my side, sitting with me and helping me. 
You gotta make this essay grand, you know? You gotta make it big. How many, pe how many people do you think are gonna try to win those tickets? A lot, right, a lot. And you wanna stand out, right? Right. Sitting in our living room, my father and I wrote at least five drafts before I finally sent it and then cried, thinking that I wouldn't win. You'll win, kid, don't worry. Three days later, I saw the postings with the names of the winners. My name was at the very bottom. <laughs> Lindsay Wright, plus one. I was in the car with my father when I saw it, and I screamed so loud in the White Castle drive-thru, our cashier nearly dropped my food. <laughs> but after about 10 minutes of celebrating, when we got home, I began to feel guilty. Should I go? I mean, Grandma's sick and, no, 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 you go. It's Loki, you love that guy. <laughs> I kissed my dad's cheek and up until the big day, I did what I could to help my grandma. Now, I've been a part of the Tom Hiddleston fandom for about three years now and I've made quite a name for myself as a fan fiction writer in the Hiddlestoner fandom. Yes, that's what we call ourselves. Tom thinks it's cute. <laughs> And I found fan fiction in any fandom to be an amazing break from reality. There's something about picturing yourself in someone else's world, having the chance to change your own reality. I find myself always falling back on the fan fiction when I'm at my darkest moments. When my friend Tori and I went to the screening, I had been excited all night, waiting in line for three hours and then watching the movie Tom was starring in. It wasn't a good movie, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the film was about Hank Williams and his dying days. I was surprised to find myself crying at the end, not because I care about Hank Williams, but because I could feel myself experiencing the loss with them on screen. It was as if I was mourning my grandmother before she had even died. The lights went up and my stomach dropped. Me and Tori sat in the fifth row of the theater, patiently waiting as the moderator of the event was going on and on about the director whom no one was there for. Then I heard someone gasp and I knew what was coming. The whole room turned their heads and there he was. My heart skipped about a hundred beats and I swear I could see the light radiate from off of him. He sat in, in the front of the theater and suddenly I began to cry. Now I'm not cry, one to cry when I meet a celebrity. I didn't cry when I met Ariana Grande or Nick Jonas or Julia Stiles, but there I was in the middle of the theater where an actor I had been in love with for two years was in front of me, waving and smiling, and I was sobbing. Grossly even, I mean, snot was rolling down my nose. I was trying to keep my groans low. Tori, Tori tapped me on the shoulder. She was very concerned. <laughs> you okay? She asked. I laughed through the sobbing. Yeah, I, I think I'm okay, I tell her. Tom answered question after question, smiling and laughing. I was hoping my makeup wasn't completely ruined, but overall, I was happy. It was beyond happy. Fan fiction is the radiating light in the darkness of life's misfortunes. It is spending all night talking to my friends about Tom's new hair color because talking about my divorcing parents is not an option. It's about listening to Nick Jonas sing the words, a little bit longer and I'll be fine and relating it to your sister who's gone. 
writing stories of healing as I watch life being sucked from my grandmother in the bedroom just across the hall from mine. My grandmother passed away April 4th, 2016, the day after my father's birthday. That day, I kissed her cold cheek, told her everything I wanted her to know, and sung her a song or two. And when I got home, I wrote more fan fiction about love, and I watched The Deep Blue Sea, my favorite Hiddleston film, for the 500th time. I continued to work on Fine Line. He stood behind his desk, as straight as a segment, slender but toned, sharp but soft, a living, breathing contradiction. His shirt was so tight, the buttons held on for dear life, and it reminded me of parting lovers. His legs were long, he was a human snake, and I felt like a terrified mouse, fearing that it would be swallowed whole. His arms were crossed on his chest against the fabric of that pearly white button-up, and his hair was slicked to the side a little. A pair of glasses sat on his pointed nose. I stood before him speechless. You must be Latoya, he says. His right brow cocked up a little, and his thin pink lips parted slightly. I nodded like a bumbling fool. My eyes subconsciously squinted while I stared at him, and those same pink lips spread into a smirk. Nice to meet you. I'm Tom. This story was produced by Max Spitz, curated by Reshmi Hazra Rustabaki, and directed by Liz Rice, with music and sound design by Nick Kawahara. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, Jeffrey and Joan Goldwater, Katie and Peter Hauser, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.